December 10th, 2021. If you count from the wide lines down, it's 12 lines down, about six or so words before the end of the line. Tanur Rabbanan, this morning's class and the classes throughout the week are donated by Grace and Ralph Gindi in memory of Esther Batmazal Bat and by uh, Joey and Rhoda Levy in memory of Marlene Bat Angel. The Gemara says here, Tanura banana beraita pa'amahat nitkasheru shamayim be'avim, that once it happened that the sky was filled with avim, with clouds. Venir'et demut levana be'isrim v'tish'ala hodesh. And it appeared, because of these clouds, as if there was a moon up in the sky on the 29th of the month. Now, as we've mentioned, it shouldn't be there on the 29th. We should be seeing the new moon on the 30th. The 29th, it would be a little odd if it's early in the morning and you're seeing the new moon. The people began to think and to say that it's Rosh Chodesh today. As a result, the Betin, based on the people's word, based on what it appeared to be the reality, wanted to do Kiddush HaChodesh. They wanted to establish it as Rosh Chodesh. Rabban Gamliel responded to them and said, I have the following tradition from my grandfather or from my father's father's bet, from his midrash. My tradition is that you won't have Hidush Levana. In other words, it won't be the first time that we can establish Rosh Chodesh less than 29 and a half and two-thirds and some extra portions of an hour time into the month, which means to say what you saw, what you're seeing, cannot be the moon based on our tradition. His tradition was pretty valid in terms of our astronomical understanding of when we're going to, quote, see that new moon. But that's a statement. It's not possible. It's a little bit different than we're used to with Rabban Gamliel. Rabban Gamliel in the past, (coughs) in the stories in the Mishnah, in the story that we addressed in the Gemara, he appeared to be the one who said, if that's what the witnesses saw, that's what we're going to accept. Over here he says, based on my tradition, based on my understanding, it's just not possible, I won't accept it. On that day, some individual, Ben Zaza, not a significant individual, his mother, sounds like not a significant person either, passed away. And Rabban Gamliel eulogized her a great, it sounds like, long eulogy. Why would he do so? What does it have to do with anything? Keep in mind, especially because the Gemara will make somewhat clear based on our understanding of the circumstances, this was the potential Rosh Hashanah. Now, if it's the potential Rosh Hashanah and the people are stating it is Rosh Hashanah, the Beit Din wants to say it is Rosh Hashanah, Rabban Gamliel in contrast to saying it's not Rosh Hashanah, if it is Rosh Hashanah, you can't do Hesbet, you can't do eulogies. Rabban Gamliel, in order to teach the people today, is really not Rosh Hashanah, is going to make a scene out of it. He's going to do a eulogy. That doesn't really have anyone to eulogize. Did anyone pass away? Oh, this woman passed away. Let me find a little bit about her and talk for a long time to call people's attention to the fact that I'm eulogizing and in turn, the 
will understand it's not Rosh Hashanah. It's not because, quote unquote, this mother of Ben Zazaz was Reuya, was worthy for this. In other words, she wasn't per se a significant, unique individual. Ela, so rather, why did Rabban Gamliel do such a long and great eulogy? So that the people would know this was not and is not established by Betin as Rosh Chodesh. It's in turn. Not Rosh Hashanah, that's all based on Rashi. Rashi writes, right? Rashi's understanding of the Gemara is that it's a reference to Yom Tob. The only Yom Tob we have on the first of a month is Rosh Hashanah. Alternatively, there are some Rishonim, there are some Mefashim to the Gemara, who don't learn this as taking place at the end of Elul, but rather at the beginning of any month. And as a result, how do they understand the Gemara? According to many, you shouldn't be maspid on Rosh Chodesh either. So that's what I'm talking about right now, right? So according to many other mefarshim, you're not allowed to be maspid on any Rosh Chodesh. And as a result, they say this story, not necessarily on Rosh Hashanah, it could have been on any Rosh Chodesh. And his long hesped, his great hesped, was to make the mark to them. It's not Rosh Chodesh. Forget about Rosh Hashanah. Even on Rosh Chodesh, you shouldn't have... A hesped. Continues the Gemara and it comments on the next lines in the Mishnah. If you recall, the story was that Rabbi Akiva, after hearing what Rabban Gamliel had de- uh, decreed upon Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Yoshua, according to his calculation, was going to have to violate Yom Kippur based on the decree of Rabban Gamliel to show up with his staff and his money in hand. And Rabbi Akiva goes and finds him and calms him down a little. But it's not fully clear from the simple wording in the Mishnah who's Who's sorrowful? Who's depressed? Was it Rabbi Akiva or was it Rabbi Yoshua? It stands to reason it's Rabbi Yoshua, but it says, Misao, he found him, Meser, he found him depressed. Who found whom? Says the Gemara, Iba'ya lehu, Iba'ya, Milashon Ba'ya. They had a question, lehu, to them, members of the Beit Midrash at the time. Mi Meser, who was depressed? Who was downtrodden? Rabbi Akiva Meser or Rabbi Yoshua Meser? It's very possible, both of them, but the Mishnah is describing to us one finds the other who's down. Which one of them? Was it Rabbi Akiva who heard about it? Was it Rabbi Yoshua who was feeling it? Tashema, says the Gemara, you can come and listen to the following Black and white proof. Go to the Beraita, which oftentimes fills out the Mishnah or fills in details that we didn't have explicitly in the Mishnah. The Tanya, the Beraita, has the following words explicitly. Halach Rabbi Akiva umsa'ol Rabbi Yoshua keshehu meser. It's explicit in the Beraita. Rabbi Akiva goes and he finds Rabbi Yoshua when that individual, meaning the second one, meaning Rabbi Yoshua was meser. It means the depressed one in this story just for factual uh, 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 verification over here. We should just know the depressed one in the story was Rabbi Yoshua. Rabbi Akiva is the one who's maybe a little bit more distant from the personal side of this and as a result a little bit more level-headed. So he comes and he finds Rabbi Yoshua and he's Meser. The Beraita continues what we had in our Mishnah but fills out, as I said, a few extra details. Amarlo Rabbi Mipenema Ata Meser says Rabbi Akiva to Rabbi Yoshua Rabbi, my master, my rabbi, why are you Meser? In fact, Rabbi Akiva's rabbis famously are Rabbi Yoshua and Rabbi Eliezer. So here's one of his primary rabbis. There's a question about Rabbi Tarfon. Was it his rabbi? Was it his Talmud? Was it his Haver? Irrespective of that, over here what we're dealing with is the question as he turns to him and he says, Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva to Rabbi Yoshua, my rabbi, my master, why are you depressed? Amar lo, Akiva, ra'ui lo, she yod bet chodesh, v'al yigzor alav, 
Gezerazo, he speaks in the third person. He says, my friend, Akiva, or my rabbi, Akiva. It's not his rabbi. That's why they take out the words, Rabbi. You see, they take out, you see, it's in parentheses. Parentheses because Rabbi Akiva was not the rabbi of Rabbi Yoshua. He was the student of Rabbi Yoshua. Anyway, he says to him, Akiva, you know something in third person, it would have been better for him to be lying sick in bed for 12 months and not have to deal with this degree, decree of Rabban Gamliel. This is Rabbi Yoshua speaking. He said, I'd rather be sick for a year than have to deal with transgression. In my eyes of Yom Kippur, I'm very nervous about this. Kippur, and he's telling me I have to violate. Amar le Rabbi Akiva, now response Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi, my rabbi, can, I, can you please permit me to say something to you, to teach you something that you taught me? Amar lo emor, says Rabbi Yoshua to Rabbi Akiva, go ahead, say so. Amar lo responds Rabbi Akiva to Rabbi Yoshua, harehu omer, the Pesukim in the Torah, in the context of the establishment of the holidays, says, atem, 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 shalosh pe'amim. It says the word atem three times. In truth, it doesn't say the word atem even once. It says otam three times. Of course, the derasha is that it's written haser. It's not written aleph vav taf mem. It's rather written aleph taf mem, which could be read, of course, as atem. And the derasha of the hachamim is don't read it as otam, but rather as atem. There are three separate pesukim. You can look at the side of the page. They spell them out for you. And lastly, which means to say three times the Pesukim to use that word otam, that enigmatic haser word of otam. Now, again, as we've mentioned more than one occasion, a Sefer Torah, which has a mistake in haserot and yeterot, is pasu. You need, even though you're reading it the same way. In other words, if it was written Aleph Vav Taf Mem, it's a Sefer Torah Pesulah. It needs to be written Aleph Taf Mem. You understand why. Many of the derashot, many of the halachot that we learn are derived from the proper reading and text of the Sefer as we have it based on tradition. And there are differences in the texts of Sefer Torah. Just recently at a wedding, I was sitting with Rabbi Azriel Mansur. So he, was, he said the Syrians have maintained tradition so beautifully except for Sefer Torah, they took on the Spanish Sifre Torah. They don't have the uh, Musta'aravi Sifre Torah. Many of the texts of the Sifre Torah that are written today, but I said to him, and, and, and I was guessing, he said that he, he has the same hunch, and he did a little bit of research on it, that even in Halab in the last hundred or so years, the Sofrim that were writing the Sifre Torah weren't working with some sort of Masorit that they had, but they were rather dealing with neighboring Masorot. Bet Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Karo, when he writes his commentary, well, on Tur and later on in Shohan Aruch, his ways of writing the letters and many of the traditions that he records in terms of Sifre Torah are not classical called Spanish traditions. He's borrowing from different, he's collecting different things. When it comes to Safrut, Setam, Sefer Torah, Tvilin, Mezuzot, generally speaking, you're supposed to go based on tradition. I mean, how are we supposed to determine there are different traditions on anything? And he said to me, Rabbi Mansur, this morning, he said, as a result, the Sifre Torah that they use contradict their Keter Aram Soba. There are Haserot and Yeterot nuanced things that are right. even, a, even a seasoned Baal Kore won't put, pick up on but there are nuanced differences that are quote significant to the extent that according to tradition one tradition over the other I can't use yours you can't use mine 
We use them both. We make berachot on both, provided that there is a tradition. Anyway, I mentioned that all by means of, you understand here in the Gemara, Atem is an important terasha. The interesting thing, just lastly, is when we learned Masechet Sanhedrin, the Gemara was Doresh, when the Gemara was talking about Yeshem Lamikra, Yeshem Lamasoret, it was Doresh Pesukim, how Sukkot written. Is it Sukkot with a Vav both times, or Sukkot without a Vav both times, or Sukkot with one Vav and not the other Vav, and so forth. Totafot, is it written as Totefet or Totafot? And one or two of those derashot, one specific one, the, if you look in our Sifre Torah, the derashah the hachamim have on those words doesn't match our Sifre Torah, which is a shocking. But not there, Sefer Torah. There, we don't have any Sifre Torah that are written in that fashion any longer. So what we're supposed to do is supposed to... There's always that interesting question when it comes to Sifre Torah. Anyway, atem, 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 shalosh pe'amim, the derashah, the fact that the Torah uses this word in those three contexts, in the three, three times in the same context, atem, afidu shogigim. First and foremost, even if the Bedin makes a mistake in terms of the establishment of the new month, how did they figure out they made a mistake? I don't know. They figured out something came their way and they realized we made a mistake. It's established. That's Rosh Chodesh. And in turn, you'll establish all the holidays based on it. But wait a second. Should we lechumrah keep two Yom, Yom Kippurs? No, you establish it. Chalas, that's done. There's the one we've been dealing and struggling with throughout. Even if you're mezid, in other words, you know, quote unquote, that the moon wasn't seen, or you know, quote unquote, the moon was seen, but you're going to pretend it wasn't or it was. You're going to be me'ayim, you're going to threaten witnesses in order to get them to testify otherwise. It still works. That's the Rosh Chodesh. Even if you are mistaken, how would you be mistaken in a way different than Shogigim? Explains Rashi. You're mut'in because the witnesses misled you. It's not that you made a mistake in calculation, but the witnesses misled you, irrespective of how it's done. Atim, afilu mezidim, afilu shogigim, afilu mut'in, turns to be Akiva to his rabbi, to be Yoshua, and he says to him, you might be right, quote-unquote, on an objective level. But there is no objective level over here. The establishment of the new month is going to be done and coordinated by Betin. And what they say is, atim, their decision is what's binding. Of course, of course. Beyond 30 and 31 is just not, you know, it's, it's not even open to you. I'm giving you, yeah, yes, of course. Yeah. So says, says the Gemara, Rabbi Akiva said that to Rabbi Yoshua, and Rabbi Yoshua's response to him, Bilashon Hazir Amar Lo, Akiva Nihamtani, Nihamtani. Rabbi Yoshua responds to his student, Rabbi Akiva, and says, Akiva, you've given me Nehama, you've consoled me, you've truly consoled me. Balo Etzir Dosa Ben Horkinas. The Mishnah, if you recall, said that the initial reaction to this establishment of the new month in, quote, the wrongful way by Rabban Gamliel was met by disdain, with disdain from Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinas. It was only Rabbi Yoshua afterwards who also didn't like this establishment of the new month in that way. But Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinas, he kind of stayed out of the picture. Rabban Gamliel didn't attack him. He didn't say he had to come. But later on, Rabban Gamliel finds Rabbi Dosa. It's almost as if he's going to, commence, to commiserate with him. He wants to to see what do you have to say, and Rabbi Dosa calms him down as well. If you recall, the end of our Mishnah told us that Rabbi Dosa said to him, You know, the Pesukim and Parashat Mishpatim describe how Moshe, Aharon, Nadav, and Avihu, all climb Har Sinai. Why doesn't it mention the names of the 70 Zekenim to tell you their names would have told us they're different than the Betin of every generation? They might have been different, they might have had Nivuan, and higher level and understanding perception, but when it comes down to the Torah, purposefully leaves out their names. So we don't say, oh, those are the special 
ones, our betin. So as a result, you see, Shivim Zekenim is an establishment, and it's establishment throughout time. It says the Gemara Tanura Banana Beraita, which fills out this idea and just uh, highlights it further. Why is it that the Torah never explicates the names of the 70 Zekenim, the 70 elders and wise ones? So that a person, excuse me, so that a person will not say, Peloni so that a person won't incredulously, the way Rashi reads the Gemara, express this guy and three guys, of course, three guys in the Beti, three rabbis in the Betin. This one, he's like Moshe and Aaron, give me a break. I'm not going to listen to him. That one, you think he's like Nadav and Avihu? Come on. That one, like Eldad Medad, which are the only names from Parashat Beha'alotecha and Sefer Bimidbar that we know of, Shivim Zekenim. And this one's like them. I mean, they're Mitnabi'im Hamahane. This guy doesn't have any prophecy, doesn't have an understanding. As a result, it's for that reason that the Torah says, all right, we'll give you those names, says Akadosh Baruch, I won't give you the other names. So that you don't make such a claim. Okay, so he's not like Moshe and Aaron. All right, he's not like Nadav and Aviyu, not even like Eldad and Medad. Is he not like the Shiva'im Zekinim? You don't know how to answer. I don't know who the Shiva'im Zekinim were. As a result, okay, so we'll include them as part of Hachmeh HaMasoret in terms of the establishment of Halacha of Betin. Continues the Gemara, Ve'omeh, and the Pasuk says in the context of Shemuel rebuking the people during his time. Ve'omeh Shemuel el ha'am, Shemuel exclaims to Am Yisrael at the time, Adonai asher asait Moshevet Aharon. Whereas it says, you should know, we're dealing with leadership uh, established by God, Moshe and Aharon by God. Ve'omer, and furthermore, Moshe, uh, Shemuel says, Ve'ishlach Adonai et Yerubaal ve'et Bedan ve'et Yiftah ve'et Shemuel. And then he mentions, well, Shemuel himself, uh, the, 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 the Pasuk mentions Shemuel himself, but additionally, not only Shemuel, this pasuk mentions, mentions three other names. Who are they? Yerubal, Bedan, and Yiftah. I don't know about you, but they're not exactly household names in my home. You know, Moshe, Aaron, Shemuel, we know those names. These guys, um, they're fantastic. I'm sure, you know, if their names are mentioned. And that's exactly the point of the Gemara. It's exactly the Derashah. If you'll stick with it for a moment, you're going to recognize some of these names once we explain who they are. But ultimately speaking, you're going to say, uh, who has the wider, who has the, the, the stronger shoulders over here. Is it Moshe or is it Yerubal? Is it Aharon or is it Bedan? And the fact that they're almost being equated, they're almost being mentioned one next to the other, seems to be a reminder to us when we're dealing with the leadership, when we're dealing with the authorities in Am Yisrael as it was established, as it is established, we have to have caution and care for that respect of the system. So as the Gemara over here, let's just first deal with who these people are. Yerubal Zegid'on. Yerubal is a reference to Gid'on. Now, he was known as Yerubal even in the text of Sefer Shofetim. I'll tell you who Gid'on was. Gid'on dealt with, in his, one of his early stages, killing or destroying, rather, no killing, the Baal. He destroyed a Pesel, which was known as the Baal. So his name, Yerubal, we understand he's the killer, he's the destroyer of the Baal. Who was he fundamentally? He led Am Yisrael during a time in which they fought against Midian. The people then wanted to coronate him as king and he wouldn't accept. He said, not me and not my son as king. He was an important person, Gidon. Important person, but you know, not all of us know that much about him. Why not? Because he's not Moshe and Aharon, but the Pesukim are putting them together. Why was he known as Yerubal? He fought with, so to speak, with the Avodah Zarah at the time. Bidan. Who's Bidan? Shimshon. That's a reference to Shimshon. Shimshon we know as well. Shimshon fought against the Pelishtim. 
Shimshon famously was a Nazir born to his father Manoah. He was told, his parents were told by the Navi, by the Malach, excuse me, that uh, they're going to have a child and they already, she already, during time of conception, should not be drinking any, uh, uh, any wine stuff or eating anything that would be problematic for a Nazir. And as a result, he's born, he's super strong. We know a bunch of his story. An important leader. He helped us fight against the Pilishtim. He met an int- a, 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 a sad death, a sad, sad demise. But ultimately speaking, an important person, importance of Moshe. Aharon, Shemuel, not really, but another one. Why would Shimshon be known as Bedan? He came from Midan, from Shevet Dan. So he was known as Bedan of the Dan. In other words, we don't mention his name per se, but we give him a nickname. He's the Danite. He's the one from Dan. Yiftah was Yiftah Kemashma'o. Yiftah was another important individual who helped us fight against Amon during his time period. All figures, all personalities in Sefer Shofetim. Okay, so we have a Pasuk, or we have two Pesukim which talk about Shimuel in the context of Moshe and Aharon, and then we have a Pasuk of Shimuel with those others, all mentioning, so to speak, our leadership, Ve'omer, we're filling out, we're fleshing out the final, the, the full statement over here, Moshe Ve'aharon Bekohanav, Ushmuel Bekor'e Shemon, Pasuk in Tehilim talks about Moshe and Aharon and Shimuel, all in one fell swoop. They're all mentioned together. Shakal hakatub shelosha kale olam kishlosha hamure olam. It means to say the following: Moshe, Aharon, and Shemuel. We're going to call them hamure olam. They're the severe individuals. They're the weighty individuals. They're the leadership we turn to. They're on our walls in our home. You know, if we had pictures of them, they're the ones. Uh, that's hamure olam. That's our leadership. They're the founders. Uh, the other ones, we'll call them, yeah, they're leaders, yeah, they played their role, they were important, but they're kale'olam. Now, don't go too far on the kale'olam, let's not diminish their status, but diminish their status vis-a-vis Moshe and Aharon and Shemuel. But how come then the pasuk weighs them, scales them almost identically? The pasuk in Shemuel says they're all our leadership. Moshe, Aharon, Shemuel, Bedan, Yerubal, I mean, why are we putting all these guys together? Lomar lecha, to tell you, Yerubal bedoro, Yerubal, again, who's Gid'on in his generation, he has to be seen, had to be treated, not because he was, but he needed to be treated as Moshe, in terms of his status as a leader, as a determining, as determining law, as leading the people, that's who he was. Bedan, Shimshon, Bedoro, in his generation, he's like Aharon in his generation. Again, an important figure. That's all the same point. Again, Rabban Gamliel needs to be given the stature of a leader, and as a result, we can't dispute him, we can't go against his determination, just like Bedan, just like Shimshon, he's no Aharon, but we need to follow it. Yiftah bedoro ki Shmuel bedoro lelamedcha, this all comes to teach you, she'afilu, even if it's the lowest of the low, or the lightest of the light, in terms of his stature, in terms of his pedigree. He's a good guy, but he's a great rabbi, but ultimately, you know, he's not, a, I remember the previous generation, he's not him. But he was established, he was appointed the leader of the generation or of the congregation. Abir means strong, he's like the strongest of the strong, like Moshe Rabbeinu. In other words, when there is an establishment in Am Yisrael and there is an appointed official and there is someone who is determining law, we have to give them. Uh, otherwise, the system will crumble, otherwise, we're missing the point of the system. But he's not what was previously, right? He's not what was previously, but we need to work with what we have. Have and we need to respect. The generation wasn't as they were previously. What's that? The generation of souls wasn't as they were previously. 
It's always going to be so. We have this concept of mi'uta dorot, which of course raises the question of, you know, mi'uta dorot is a fascinating thought, but if you look at world knowledge, world knowledge has gone up. Uh, even in our generation compared to 30 years ago, just the, the average person knows a lot more, has access to a lot more. That's right, we have books, we have technology, we have ways. How, how could we argue in Torah differently? So the, I mean, the, the first answer is it has to do with being exposed to Shekhinah and Harasinah. We're further from, ex, from, being ex, uh, from that exposure, and as a result, we might have a finer understanding, but at the depth of our, of our consciousness, we're more distant. That much is, is clear. But furthermore, the famous mashal that Tosafot reads sites in, in, in a similar context is the midget standing on the, on the giant's shoulders or on the giant's head, which means to say we might see better than, quote, the last generation or two generations or even a hundred generations ago. But ultimately speaking, it's only because we're standing on them. So they did the legwork. They brought us to where we are. We're just piggybacking on them, which comes back to the same point I mentioned just a second ago. It means that our depth, that our, uh, the depth of our understanding is a little bit more artificial. It's very different when you've achieved it on your own than when you just built off of what came before you. That's not to, that's not to diminish from your stature and my stature. But at our core, our depth of character and understanding is lower. But it's for that reason as well you deal with this dialectic, this almost contradiction. We say, we say that the generations go down. And yet the halakha is halakha ki We always pay attention to the last generation. Less so, me. You know, in other words, uh, less so, but and there's, and there's reasons for that. But in the Gemara, we always pay attention to Abaye and Rava, Batra'e, and Halakha. Oftentimes, we look at the last generation for this reason. Not because per se they were greater, but they saw all that preceded them, and in turn, they were able to determine accordingly. Sorry, Nathan. Is this only when the established? These statements are Bedin establishment, absolutely. There, these statements nonetheless ring true, right, to today and to generations when you're not dealing with Betin in terms of perspective. In terms of authority, absolutely, only during a time of Betin, but in terms of perspective, we, we do purposefully throw these around in terms of understanding stature even today. Ve'omer, and furthermore, same, same line of thought, Ubatai el ha'kohanim ha'levi'im vel ha'shofet the Pasuk says that if you have a dispute, beginning of Parashat Shofet, if I'm not mistaken, it says you're going to come to the Levi'im, to the Kohanim, who were once arbiters of law, and to the Shofet, might be together with them, might be them, and they're going to determine the law. But it doesn't just say that, it says those individuals who are in those days. What type of statement is that? God is speaking through Moshe to Am Yisrael and telling them, when you have a dispute in the future, come to the judges, come to the Kohen, the Levi. Halas, no, to the one who will be in your days. What do you mean in your days? Of course in your days. Well, you think I'm going to go to last generation's rabbis, last generation scholars or uh, judges? And what are we talking about? Resuscitating from the dead? Uh, bringing back from the dead, rather? I mean, what, how are you going to talk to someone who's not alive any longer? It's a sensitivity in the text. Moshe is speaking to the people at the end of his life and saying... My words right now. I'm going to pass away, says Moshe. You better follow the next ones like you're following me. Alternatively, in the future, you're going to have to follow your judges the way the earlier generations followed their judges without any claims or disputes or, or issues with that ve'omer. And furthermore, a pasuk, a same line of thought again, from Kohelet al-Tomar ma 
Don't say, you know, these earlier generations were greater. Look how, look how, look how gone we went down. Look how low we went down. Uh, it's true. Says It's true. Previous generations were more righteous. They, may, they were more right than the earlier ones. As a result, the earlier generations had quote better times. It's true statement as well. Yeah, the last later ones are not going to be identical to the early ones. However, don't begin to exclaim like that. Don't get lost in that thought. Understand in the Chadayan and Chashofet. Okay, onward says the Gemara, Natal Maklo Uma'otav Be'yado. Rabban Gamliel had this decree upon Rabbi Yoshua that he come on Rosh Hashanah on his Yom Kippur with his makil, with his staff, and with his ma'ot, and with his money. If I'm not mistaken, some of the Mepharshim point out that the makil and the ma'ot together was a necessary combination. He couldn't just say the makil because a person would see him even though he's carrying it. Maybe in some circumstances the staff could be permitted. It's the way he needs to get around. He couldn't walk otherwise. The ma'ot he could have put into his pocket and nobody would have seen that either. The decree of Rabban Gamliel was that this be public. Take the ma'ot and hang them, sling them on the staff and walk like that so everybody understands you are carrying money on this day. It's not just a walking staff and it's not money in your pocket. It was a public decree. Anyway, Tanu Rabbanan says the Gemara, a beraita that fleshes out, that finishes the thought for us as to what took place or the vision for us. What took place? Kevan shira'a oto. Once Rabbi Rabban Gamliel saw Rabbi Yehoshua Ahmad Mikiso. He stood up from his seat. Nishako al Rosho. We saw this in the Mishnah. And he kisses Rabbi Yehoshua on his, on his head. Amado shalom alecha Rabbi Vitalmidi. He says, welcome and peace be to you, my rabbi, my, my mentor, and my student. Rabbi, the reason you're my rabbi, Shilimaditani Torah Barabim, because you taught me Torah publicly. Now, I'm not familiar anywhere that we have a teaching from Rabbi Yoshua to Rabban Gamliel. I would suggest this is the teaching. It's right here. He taught from example. In other words, Rabbi Yoshua, in this moment, by showing up at Rabban Gamliel, is teaching... You see, we follow in the Chadayan, Elav Shebeyamecha, in the Chashofet, Elav Shebeyamecha. That's the teaching. Now, Rabban Gamliel knows about this, but he feels it now. In this moment, Rabbi Yoshua taught Rabban Gamliel what it means to bow to the appropriate establishment, to the authority of Halacha. Vitalmidi, the reason you're my student, not actually my students, with quotation marks. It's lower, lowercase student. She'ani gozer alecha gezera. I decreed upon you a decree. Ve'atamekayema ketalmidi. And uh, you followed it like a, like a student. You're not my student. You're greater than me. Greater than me, greater than me in age, if I'm not mistaken. But Rabbi Hoshua, you followed me appropriately as if you were my student. Ashrei Hador, how praiseworthy, how great is a generation. Shehagedolim nishma'im laketanim where the great ones, meaning you, Rabbi Yoshua, even listen to, in the appropriate circumstances, the lower ones, meaning me, says Rabban Gamliel. Kalvahomer, can you imagine? Uh, this, we can logically deduce that people will learn from you, Rabbi Yoshua. If you, the great one, are bowing to, bowing to the authority of the lower one, meaning me, Rabban Gamliel, Ketanim Ligdolim, where now the, the Ketanim, the lower ones, the ones who are actually lower in stature, are now going to bow to the authority of the greater in stature. If you, Yoshua are greater in stature than me and you're listening to me because you know it's right certainly the lower ones are going to be bowing to the authority in the appropriate fashion of the greater one 
There is a catch-22 over here, but, but Izel Utishubato Besido says, Nathan, based on the statement over here, it says, you're the lower one, and you're bound to the authority, excuse me, you're the greater one, you're bound to the authority of the greater one, you're supposed to, I'm supposed to be bound to you. The whole point is that based on this action, the people will learn, and the lower ones will bow to the authority of the greater ones, so Rabban Gamliel should be bound to the authority of the Rabbi Of course, the difference is he's the Nasi, right? Teshubato Besido is that he has the established position, and that's what distinguishes it. Says the Gemara Kalvahomer. This is a Kalvahomer. The way you derive that the lower ones are to listen to the greater ones is from a Kalvahomer. You needed a, a logical deduction. It's a Pasuk in the Torah, in Parashat Kedoshim. The Torah tells us, you're supposed to give the honor, you're supposed to give the glorification, you're supposed to respect the elders and the wise ones. So you don't need a Kalvahomer. What sort of kalvahomer is this? Ela says the Gemara, rather, it's not that we're deriving it per se, but rather, by virtue of the fact that the gedolim, meaning you, Rabbi Yoshua, are indeed listening to the ketanim, meaning me, Rabban Gamliel, it's not that this is the way we'll teach them, but you're teach, they will be learning by your, from your example. In other words, by watching you, of course it's a hiyuva, of course they should be listening on their own. The amcha, they're supposed to be listening to the authorities, but they're not always going to be listening, they're always going to consider themselves different for some reason. Once they look at you, it's not that they derive the law from you, it's that they derive the inspiration, mitoch, from the fact that they see that the gedolim anishmaim diktanim, no si'imaktanim, they then will upon themselves realize and understand logically we should be doing the same thing the others should be saying we should be listening to the Gedolim Amen Amen